开口。So you sent your little man's to come kill me,、uh, but on the contrary, I packed the Mac Millie, squeezed off on him, left the paramedics breathing soft on him. What's your name? Who shot you? My ties like Sinatra.、Uh, Peruvians tried to do me in. I ain't paid them yet. Trying to push seven hundreds, they ain't made them yet. Rolex and bracelets, frostbit rings too. Just get out of the way. Call me igloo stick. Crazy if it's your loyalty, if it's your draw. Where you from? Brooklyn, going out for all. Wake up, wake up, wake up! Five oh two, it is going down. We are back in the building, and can you smell that? That is the football season, and it is here. And I'm telling you right now, I'm here for all of that. A little bit of Jay Z and Biggie Smalls, Brooklyn's finest, coming in, and、uh, you know had to go ahead. It's going. I feel like it's going to be a, a, a jigger type of day today. You know, got got to celebrate the big news、um, for for Louisville men's basketball、uh, with the hiring of、uh, Justin Perez.、Um, so you know, going to hear some jigger favorites today. Of course, joined as always by my esteemed colleague. The man, the myth, the legend himself. At that boy's good, Mr. Joe Kelly. Joe, how you doing this morning, brother? Hey, man. Any day that starts off with Biggie and Jay Z is a good day. That's that's how you kickstart your weekend. I promise. I promise. You know what I'm saying? Can't can't do much better than that. Can't do much better than that, man. I, I'm excited. I, I you know I, I know you're gonna have a couple of suggestions for me coming in and out of these breaks too.、Uh, you know, but it's gonna be、oh. all rock nation all day today. <laughs> I'm 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 with that. You know,、uh, they were actually planning on doing a collabo album before Biggie got killed. Really? I would have. They、loved. were going to do. They were going to do an album called Brooklyn's Finest. Really? Oh man! See, yes, sir. I did not know that. Robbed. Yeah, yeah. And, and, it's, it's. Oh, go ahead. It's one of those if you could change anything in music history moments for me that I'm like, man, I really wish we could have got that project. Absolutely. Absolutely, I mean, no, notorious man. I mean, you know his everything that he did.、Uh, you know, for me, he's my favorite. You know, everybody always talks about their their, their、uh, you know top ten all time or greatest. Like Biggie for me is is has always been number number one. You know, I know some people love Pac, and then you know the, the newer folks think that you know Jig is the greatest ever. But you know, for me, notorious is is is. The king at at the top, you know what I'm saying? That's that's the man. So I would have loved to have seen it. That double CD is probably、um, still my favorite album. Like it's just classic. You can just play the man.、It. The man was amazing at telling stories on tracks. Yes.、Um, the the, I mean, just amazing.、Uh, 
Also, you know what really messed with me, and I don't know if you've ever really put the thought into it, but it messed with me when when we realized when a buddy of mine and I realized technically Ready to Die is a concept album, and what I mean by that is it it tells the story of a hustler. You know, it starts off with rushing all the way to the hospital. You know, when the baby's being born, to, yeah. It literally chronicles his entire life. Yeah, it's a hip hopera. It is actually. I've never really thought about that, but yeah, it it, it literally is. I mean, it just kind of tells that story. It's a hip hop opera, um, and, and mean, he's also still got the hottest line ever about a dude when he said, "Nothing to lose, tattooed around the gun wounds." Like <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> very nice i'm telling you man like i'm like no, big he just like you said i mean the, the way he could literally paint a picture for you and tell like a whole story and you knew exactly like he's going into it with the story to tell and he does it in such an artistic uh an artistic and, and rhythmic nature man that you just you see the whole thing and the joint's like cold you know what i mean man, like unbelievable the rain's got towed they double parked by a hydrant <laughs> I mean that the first time you hear that track, you're just sitting there listening to this story, going, "What?" Yeah. And then he drops that line at the end, and it's just like, "Man, dude, dude was like just." I don't think anybody has ever done it as well as Big does, a tiptoeing between making a club hit that everybody at the club wants to hear, but even the most hardcore hip hop fans and dudes that aren't there for the club music love that jam and then he can play something that's hood as hell that has the suburbs celebrating it i'm telling you i promise like his his range the only guy the only guy that i and it's not a it's not an era bias but the only guy that i can think of that really uh spawned that i was t- i was trying to explain to a buddy of mine that his generation argues beatles or rolling stones and mine will forever argue bigger pock right right and it's because the two guys were—they were so charismatic on top of being just elite at what they do. I promise. I mean, it, yeah. it was—it was unbelievable. I mean, like you know, I, I remember you know when the when the d- double album first came out, um, uh, Life After Death, and uh, I saw the track on there, and it was you know Notorious B.I.G. and Bone Thugs and Harmony, and I just saw it on there. And oh. I was like, dude, there's no way. I was like, there's not. <laughs> I was like, I, I you know but, I know Big is cold, but there's no way that that. I don't see how that's going to mix. And then Notorious Thugs dropped. They did a, they did an art, Rolling Stone did a deep dive on uh, the recording of that album and interviewed everybody from it that was involved in the making of of that album. And Crazy Bone said that Puff called them and said, my guy Big is obsessed with your all's blow. He can't stop. He's mimicking it in the the studio. He wants to do a track with y'all. And they said they flew up there and thought, there's no way this big dude has the lung capacity to do what we do. Right. And then he came in with that, oh, dangerous. And they were just going, what? <laughs> it was unbelievable. And, like, it was unbelievable. And the other, the other story from that, the guy who's got just phenomenal insight on it is Jadakiss talking about what he did for the locks and how he taught them to go from being just battle rapper MCs to this is how you make a track. Right. And and Jada said that working with Big was the most stressful situation. He's like, do you have any idea how hard it is to make smoking as much as we were smoking in the studio still stressful? Like <laughs> and it's because Big was a taskmaster. 
Mm-hmm. You just tell them, uh-uh, uh-uh, record that again. Record that again. Put inflection on this syllable. Emphasize this word. You're emphasizing the wrong part of that rhyme. And they said, man, when we did uh, the track that, that we did with them, it took like four hours to record that one track. And we were we were really proud of the fact that we would go in and we would do something in 30 minutes, you know, and we right. thought we were whiz They thought they was, was like, no, <laughs> y'all, are, y'all are mailing it in. Do you know how much doper your music could sound? And he said, so everything that we've done since then is because of what Big taught us in the studios as MCs. Hey, it's always fun, and the one thing I've learned is that regardless of the genre of music, I don't care if it's rap or, or R&B or uh, country or rock and roll, anytime you get to see the best at work and watch them work, it's unbelievable. I remember when they did the This Is It um, uh documentary on michael jackson when he was getting ready for the tour and watching how michael worked when he was practicing with his talent and practicing with his musicians um to put mm-hmm. together the songs like and just watching him work you know what i mean it's kind of some of the same things you hear when you watch prince in in, in uh, a sound studio talking to people about the theory and 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 behind what he's doing anytime you get to see the best do it it's like yeah <laughs> now i see why <laughs> You know they are who they are. You know what I mean. So and, it's unbelievable. And and whatever it is, I mean, this can apply it to it. I don't care what your job is. I, I really don't care what it is. It it shows that whoever is the best in your field, they demand excellence out of everyone around them. And there yeah. are different ways to go about that. Some people are impossible to work for because they're perfectionists. Some people are very nurturing and they bring the best out of you without you realizing it. You know, so I mean, there's more than one way to crack an egg. But I think that's a true statement about music, art in general. I, I don't care. I, I don't care if you work maintenance. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? There's somebody in that maintenance department that everybody knows. If you call Steve or you call you call Randy, he, he's going to be there. He's going to get fixed, and you're not going to have to call anybody again. Yeah. Those are the people you want to you want to be emulating, and those are the people you want to surround yourself by. And, and with music, it just it it shows itself because it's, it's very visual when you see the setup to how you watch a you watch a a, a concert or a performance, you know, at, at an award show, and you just sound like, yeah, man, you know, when you're that talented, you just walk out there and, <laughs> and make that bird sing. No, no, yeah, no, the. The the greats put in a lot of meticulous effort on there. Absolutely, I mean, no, that that that's that's why you know that's why I surround myself with with, with great people. That's why Joe Kelly's on here with me. Uh, that's why Haven <laughs> Harrison, even though he is uh, uh, not in studio as of yet, we, we we may get a special appearance from Haven Harrison this morning. I don't know. Haven has been um, doing yeoman's work. Um, you know, for those who who don't know, Haven uh, does work with uh, Charles Booker uh, on his campaign. Um, and, you know, with, with that, you know, a lot of outreach uh, with you know, within the state to folks uh, and those those outreach efforts took him down to eastern Kentucky um, to you know, assist the uh, flood victims is down there for a couple of days, uh, sent me back a bunch of videos. I know he is back in town, but I don't know <laughs> where he's like Carmen San Diego. He could be anywhere <laughs> traveling. <laughs> 
hiding, popping up somewhere. So we, we, we may hear from Haven Harrington this morning, but uh, just big shout out to him and, uh, you know, thoughts and prayers go out uh, to the folks in Eastern Kentucky, man. Those folks just can't get a break. I mean, almost a, uh, you know, a year removed from, you know, the tornado devastation and now have to be going through this flooding. Um, it, it's just unbelievable. Um, the devastation down there because of that flooding. So a uh, big shout out to them and all the folks, uh, the the um, volunteers and everybody who's put money and, and sent water and uh, food down there to help those folks out uh, in just an unbelievable situation. So, uh, you know, big shout out to them. So I don't know if we'll, we'll hear from Haven Harrington, but, you know, we have so many, so many, so many things to get into. Um, there's a lot going on. Football is back. Hall of Fame game was Thursday night, Joe, and, and I, let me tell yes. you something. It, it, it did, I mean, now I'm I am a died in the wool Raiders fan, so it was nice to see the silver and black on the field. So I, I can't lie that 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 definitely amped it up a bit. But even with that, just to have football back on the screen, I didn't care who the quarterbacks were, I didn't care who the running backs were, I didn't really know any of the guys for either team because. You know, for for that first game, for the first week, they pretty much don't use any of their starters. Um, you know, for for that game, for the Jaguars or for the um, the Raiders, um, they really didn't have many of their stalwart guys out there. But just to have football on the field, I, I mean, I, I appreciate what the USFL does, um, but you know, it, it's definitely <laughs> God bless them. Yeah, yeah, you know, the USFL is the USFL, um, <laughs> but the, it's definitely a, a different cut of beef it, it, <laughs> to to uh, borrow one of Joe's. <laughs> phrases you know what what what, what uh, is a hamburger steak and the other is like it's a, wagyu it, beef. yeah i was going to say it's <laughs> it's a it's a flank steak yeah <laughs> you can you can grill it and chop it up and throw it in a tortilla and say i made fajitas yeah <laughs> you know but but you're not inviting people over for that meal no you're not planning a party around that meal no, 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 not at all. That's that's definitely not going to happen. So, I mean, even though it was the backups, even watching the backups at that level versus the, uh, you know, the, the actual teams for those USFL squads, it's completely different. Oh, and look who just slid in the, the, the studio. I, I said he, he's, he's, he's Superman. He's got the cape on his back. He's, he's flying down to East Kentucky helping folks out, talking to people, um, uh, you know, and definitely want to hear about that. Hey, Van Hansen, how you doing this morning, sir? You're what? I am completely worn out. Oh, I, I bet. I, I need to hear. I, I need to hear about that. I, absolutely. I, I know you're you're happy about football being back. I was. I, you know. I don't know if you heard me <laughs> fussing about uh, uh, U.S. You know the USFL and the NFL. But the fact that the Hall of Fame game. I. I don't even think you got to see any of the Hall of Fame game. Did you? I did not. Yeah, you you were you were still down in East Kentucky at that point, weren't you? Yeah, I was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you didn't get to watch any of it. So I had to enjoy all the football for you. But I do want to get your thoughts uh, on football being back. But but let me just ask you, just um, uh, off the top, uh, your travels down there. Um, what what were your thoughts about everything was going on? Um, who, who were you there with to assist on the relief effort? Just kind of give a little brief synopsis of of what you were doing down there and how you were helping. Man, you know, it seems like it was just yesterday that I was texting Joe on the radio about going down to Mayfield, Kentucky. Yeah. And, and we decided to go down there and spend several days going back and forth, back and forth, helping the folks out of Mayfield. And, and here we are again going down to Eastern Kentucky. Um, 
So I, I went down with the, the Charles Booker Senate campaign to help coordinate some of their relief efforts in uh, Eastern Kentucky. And, uh, you know, when you get down there, uh, first, I'd like, I like to thank everybody who donated to the, the, the drive there for supplies. Man, we filled up a 26-foot box truck literally in like three days. After three days of people giving, uh, you know, diapers and cleaning supplies and water and food and everything else, it literally only took us three days to fill up a full 26-foot box truck. You know, we took off, went down there. Uh, you know, some parts, the devastation is, 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 is unreal almost because like, when you think about all the flooding and you see pictures of the flooding, you know, for those who haven't been in East Kentucky or the mountainous regions of Kentucky and West Virginia, you know, it's just hard to kind of wrap your mind around, but what flooded were little creeks and streams, like little creeks and, and like little mountain creeks and mountain streams, you know, streams and creeks that would normally be like six inches and less on a normal day, uh, you know, and, and the banks of these, you know, these creeks and streams can sometimes, especially as, as they flow through downtown portions of town, you know, the banks are good eight, nine feet high. Right, and there's a little bit of creaking stream, maybe a foot uh, deep on a on a rainy day, and you talk about water was getting as high as thirty feet and lasting for several hours. Uh, it, it, the devastation some places was unreal. Like, like we drove through a neon Kentucky, a uh, little coal mining town, and you know all the downtown was completely like covered in mud and debris where the water from one of these little mountain streams had just flooded the entire town, the entire downtown. We saw houses that were uh, moved off their foundations and just caked together, uh, you know, cars and everything else wrapped around trees. Uh, one of the counties lost all their EMS support. Another one lost everything. I mean, literally like all their, like all the ambulances and buses and everything else. It, it's, it's, just a, it's just amazing. But then we got down there, the people were just so happy, so happy to see us, uh, so friendly, opened up the houses to us. You know, Kentuckians, you know, I'm going to say Kentucky, but people in general, in times of, like, disasters like this, like, this is when you see the best of people. You know, mm -hmm. I, I remember when Joe and I were down in Mayfield, and we were at this, uh, what used to be uh, some type of like a shopping outlet. And we were, you know, uh, talking to the guy who owned it, you know, assessing damage. And, you know, we had literally just kind of got down there talking to sheriffs and everybody else and kind of coordinating the efforts. And this couple came by and offered us their house to stay in. Literally, like, like didn't know what's just offered a house to stay in. And the same thing happened in East Kentucky when I got down there. It was, we left, like, around 11 o'clock at night after we uh, unloaded like, at two different locations. We, we unloaded in uh, Jenkins, Kentucky at, at that elementary school in the Neon kentucky at their elementary school and uh and at both at both places everybody was like hey look we got a place to stay you know we don't have much but my friend's house was on a hill wasn't flooded let's go up there and you guys can stay tonight you guys don't have to drive back you drive back tomorrow and you know it's just that that love and outpouring is just so genuine and you know it just it, it just makes me do stuff like this i don't you know hopefully we don't have to do this again but with the weather being the weather and the climate being the climate and it's changing all the time, you know, I hate to say it, but, you know, these type of occurrences, you know, tornadoes in December, flash floods and things, you know, these are going to be like almost our newer normal. So, 
We'll just have to see, man. I thought you were going to go into a passionate conversation about global warming, Haven. I know. <laughs> I did not. <laughs> I did not go hey, into, a, into a passionate conversation about climate change. <laughs> I'm just but, saying that it's, yeah, it's, it's real. Yeah, no, real, real. Real talk it is. Good on you for getting down there, man. Um, and, and, yeah, that was, that was my big takeaway when we were in Mayfield was the guy who offered us his house. He literally met us, talked to us for five minutes. When he pulled up in that big pickup truck, man, and I saw the beard, I was like, "Hey, uh, let me go talk to this guy. He might think I'm one of them." Uh, <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know what he was stopping for, man. You know what I mean? Because we were just standing in a, in a parking lot trying to trying to come up with a game plan. I told him we were from Louisville, and he was like, "Oh man, I'll never say anything nasty about U of L again." But like, he came during game week. It's all good, um, <laughs> you know. But, yeah, like the other 50-something weeks out of the year, can we just kind of focus on we got to help each other, man, because nobody's coming to save us anymore. That illusion yeah. is dead. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it is it is one of those things where, as you say, you know, everybody has their differences, uh, both uh, who, who they root for, who they vote for, um, you know, just the, 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 the racial divide and, and those types of things. But the one thing that has always amazed me is that when people are in need and need help, um, you know, folks tend to, for the most part, uh, want to reach out and do anything they can help just because they see people suffering and, and uh, you know, in need. So, you know, that uh, here the the family of Wake Up 502 and, of course, the, the, the larger family with main event sports, that's always something that, that we've been about. It's been about the people and been about helping and been about providing uh, entertainment, but also uh, providing um, – Anything that we can do to, to help folks, uh, because it is about the people. Sports is sports, um, and, and while it is a fun distraction, um, it is still just a game. Uh, and, and people's lives and, and you know that what they're going through is always going to be the most important thing. So I don't give a damn whether you could cheer for UK, West Virginia, California, IU. IU. I don't care if you need help. Um, if there's something that, that that I or we can do as a as a group and a crew, um, we're always there and willing. Um, and we always put our money where our mouth is. So that's why I only ride with the best, and that's why I support the best. Um, and I appreciate you guys for all that you do. But how about this? We're gonna go ahead. We're gonna hit up our first break. When we get back on the other side. Fellas, we got a lot to get into. We got uh, Louisville football. Uh, the fall camp has started. Um, everybody's excited about that. Um, uh, Coach Sat uh, tooting his own horn a little bit. <laughs> I want to hear Haven's thoughts on that. Um, the NBA is being held hostage uh, by a couple of guys who are, are disgruntled and pretty much free agency has been halted, which is amazing to me as well. Louisville men's basketball had big news. So we got a lot to get into. If you want to get in, 414-1450. The Thornton's text line is the best way. You can also give us a call, 384-1450 on the Wake Up 502 bus line. And we'll be back. Big X Sports Radio, 96.1 FM. Me and Gutter had two spots The two for five dollar hits The blue tops uh -huh. Got a gold Julio Lean is getting too hot If they have twins You probably have two pops uh, Get uh. it? Uh, time to separate Pops. the pros from the con, the platinum from the bronze. That bought us all issue from that leather on the bronze. Yeah, yeah, I'm out 
that Brooklyn, now I'm down in Tribeca, right next to the Narrow, but I'll be hood forever, I'm the new Sinatra, and since I made it here, I can make it anywhere, yeah they love me everywhere, I used to cop in Harlem, all of my Dominicanos right there up on Broadway, pull me back to that McDonald's, took it to my stash spot, 560 State Street, catch me in the kitchen like a Simmons whipping pastry, cruising down A Street, off white Lexus, driving so slow, but BK is from Texas, me I'm out there bed stop, home of that boy Biggie, now I live on Billboard, and I brought my boys with me, say what up to Tata, still sipping my top, sitting courtside, Knicks and Nets give me high five, I be spiked out, I could trip a referee, tell by my attitude, that I most definitely from Welcome back to Wake Up 502. It's going down the full strength of the Wake Up 502 crew here with you, taking care of your 96.1 FM, Big X Sports Radio. It is going down on a Saturday morning. Sun is shining. The birds are chirping. Uh, the pig skin is flying. I, I don't know if we could be doing much better, fellas. I'm excited about it. But I tell you what, man, let, let's go ahead and jump right on in. Um, you know, I, I, I would be apropos if I did not start um, with University of Louisville football. Uh, Coach Satterfield, Sats kids, uh, taking the field, getting ready. Um, and, and big shout out. You know, we, we had the official kickoff um, uh, earlier this week, uh, the Press Box Classic. Um, got to go ahead, get out there. Um, Kenny Klein and his swan song, uh, you know, Kenny was one of the big people that put together um, the Press Box Classic, and it's always been an opportunity for the local media uh, to get together. And the university, um, uh, you know, just showed a lot of respect and, and appreciation for everything that the local media does. This is something that doesn't happen most places. Um, so the fact that L puts together an event solely uh, for the media to be able to get out there, meet and greet, um, laugh, talk, and kind of commune before the sports season gets going. Um, that's always a big deal. Uh, Kenny Klein has always been a good friend to us, so a big shout-out to him and, and good luck in his uh, retirement. I know that with that event, pretty much uh, most of his day-to-day -day operations, he's going to be shutting down and will no longer be handling. I know that he still will be assisting Kenny Payne and Louisville men's basketball and some things uh, until uh, you know his replacement um, is, is up and ready to roll. But uh, just big shout-out to them, big shout-out to L. big shout-out to uh, everybody that came out and was a part of that, um, had fun, got a little bit of swag, got to eat some good food and have a lot of good conversations and talk. Um, so, so big shout-out on that. Um, and to that end, that's kind of the, the pretty much the kickoff. Once they have the Press Box Classic, the next day you will have the, the media day uh, for Louisville football. Um, and then at that point, that's when uh, fall camp gets going. Um, and fall camp uh, is definitely underway. Um, it, it sounds to me uh, like the defense, which is something that, that you like to hear. The defense is, is making some of the plays early. Of course, um, Louisville has a lot of guys that are coming off injury, guys like Keytrail Clark. Uh, Monty Montgomery, um, who was slowed by injury. Of course, Ashton Gelati spent the second half of the season last year kind of banged up after a, a quick start uh, as a um, 
I don't want to say unexpected treat for him to be uh, considered an impact freshman, um, but he did show uh, some ability, some explosiveness early. Um, so now with Ashton back healthy, uh, with a healthy, uh, you know, Monty Montgomery and Keetrell Clark, uh, the, the hope is now that you've added Jermaine Lole, uh, the big, big man in the middle, uh, that Louisville's going to have an opportunity to do some things. It was very interesting to me, Haven, that uh, – Lole, uh, Coach Sat talked about him coming to the university uh, and said he was out of shape. He said he was probably about 238, 200, or excuse me, the, the, the 338. I was about uh, to say, 238, good Lord, he's not out of shape. He's uh, just... Yeah, anorexic. <laughs> uh, he was about three, 338, uh, 340 uh, when he got here. Um, said that he has now trimmed that down uh, to about 313 pounds. Um, so he's dropped a good 20, 25 pounds since he's been here and said he's in excellent shape now. Uh, this is a guy who, um, you know, is considered to be a, a first-round draft type of defensive lineman. Um, so it sounds like he's getting in great shape. So um, if you want to hear anything be good early, I would think that it would be the defense. Am I wrong about that? Uh, yeah, you know, I'm going to wait to the first game. Before I pass judgment on the defense, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I hate to be that way. I really do because I, I, I want, I want to be a part of the hype, right? I, I want to join the hype train. I want to get on that hype train, put my conductor hat on, pull the whistle, shovel more coal, and, and get this thing going, right? Yes. Yeah, but. It wasn't too long ago. It was like last year when everybody was trying to hype us up. I'm not going to mention any names. <laughs> about this maybe, and you were there oh, yeah. when this quote was thrown about in offseason. This may be the best defense since Charlie Strong. I remember. Remember that? I remember. This may be the greatest defense since Charlie Strong. Everybody just went down the roster and named all these names. Like, we got monsters. They're a little small in their size, but they're monsters. And we saw what happened, right? Yeah. The same thing's happened like the past three years. The, the same dudes. I mean, the same play calling kept showing up. So you have monsters now. They were the greatest defense for first and second down. <laughs> they were. Awesome. Unstoppable. Until third down came. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> you know I, I, like I said, I, I want to jump on that hype train. But, man, I'm going to have to watch that first game first before I'm like, okay, maybe the first like one or two games before I feel comfortable and, and, and like, yeah, you know, they got together. This is what we've been talking about. Yeah, defense. So th that's just me. I mean, you and Joe could be different. That's just me. Joe, do you think there's anything uh, – because, you know, everybody always talks about preseason. You know, we even talk about preseason in the NFL, and we know that it, preseason in the NFL pretty much means nothing. But, you know, I ain't going to lie to you. I know we're going to get into it later, but I got a little excited watching the, the, the Raiders out there. Um, I bet you did. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> but um, with, with Louisville football, I mean – is there anything that you can get out of that, like like the stuff that you know the people that are flashing early, um, so some of the, the the hype that that comes around? Like, do you think there's value in that, or are you kind of in the same boat with Haven? I'm with Haven, honestly, just because I, I mean I'm getting older and I'm getting more cynical about stuff. So 
I've I've been to these. I've listened to enough of these preseason media day. Coach has to come talk, and it's it, this isn't a, a criticism of Scott. This is literally every single coach because you realize after doing this, what in the hell can they actually say? I mean, good God, you don't want them to come out and go, "Nah, man, uh, summer camp been pretty disappointing, kind of lackluster." I don't even know if these kids like football. You know, so we hear these same canned responses every year. Uh, a lot of intensity, which, you know, you want to see. Man, these guys are really itching to hit somebody in a different colored jersey. I, I can tell you that much. Uh, we've seen some standout players. So-and-so's conditioning looks a lot better. That's an area we wanted to improve on. You know, okay, great, cool. Have y'all figured out what to do on third anything? <laughs> like, Third and seven, third and 17, third and first down is what it was last year. So, I, I, I mean, I hope the kids are, are excited and amped up and you got a good, you got a good uh, workout in the summer. But, but what have you all done as a staff to address them? I will say that I, I did enjoy – I'm, I'm a fan, and I know that he, he caught some flack from some people on, on social media about this. I kind of like the fact that whenever – he was asked about last season's, you know, woes and, and problems that he very quickly, and, and I don't think he was defensive, but he just very quickly redirected that question and said, that was last year's team. This year's team, we know that we know that we left a lot of points on the board in the fourth quarter. We know that what we didn't do, that was a last year thing. We'll be better about that this year. And I say that because it's his job, number one, even before you, you come up with a better scheme, you got to get your players to buy into it, right? Yeah. Word. So don't even give that, don't even talk about that to the media. If you've told your players and you've told your staff, we're going to say this once and one time only, that crap last year ain't going to cut it. We all got to do better. It's over and it's done with now. We don't talk about last season. This is the 2022 season. And if people want to ask about last season, you let me handle that. That's the coach's job. I think that's strong leadership on his part. I appreciated that. I think that's. I think those are some of the areas that Haven and I have been reluctant to give him credit. You know, because quite frankly, it's been hit or miss. I got to give him credit on that. I thought that was that was a strong leadership move on his part when he he just kept shooting that down on Monday. Not going to talk about it. Yeah, I'm talking about that. I, I, my only issue with that, and my one of my biggest issues with Satterfield has always been the fact that he always seemed anytime things didn't go well, rather than take a lot of the blame on his back and say, you know what, I didn't get my boys prepared or I, I did something wrong. He always seemed to either, um, you know, kind of not necessarily blame the players, but say, you know, some guys didn't make a play here or make a play there. Or he would make excuses. Like he's always been more of an excuse maker than taking the onus on himself, which is something that I've always had um, kind of an issue with with him um, because nothing, it doesn't ever seem like it's ever his coach's fault, either his fault or, or any of the other coaches' fault. It's always some guy didn't do the right thing or they didn't do they didn't complete a play or make a play when it was needed, uh, which has always been to me. Uh, one of my biggest issues with him because, you know, I've always said if leadership thinks they're perfect and thinks that everybody else is doing something wrong uh, when things aren't going well, 
I don't know how you fix that um, because it, there, there's obviously always some some fault everywhere. Um, but that, that's always been an issue. But no, I agree with you. I mean, to kind of rip the the, the the rearview mirror off and look forward is pretty much all you can do um, because at the end of the day, you lost the Air Force. <laughs> so there's no need yeah. um, to look back at that. Um, you know, the, the, there's no need to – um, to, to go back there and rehash. Um, so, you know, I, I mean, it kind of is what it is. I do want to read something for you guys. I have, Of course, we always love when you um, have the opportunity to have coaches speak um, anonymously uh, and speak on the record against other teams when they don't have to put their name on it because they tend to be a little bit more harsh. Um, and, and I have this excerpt from uh, Athlon Sports uh, where a coach, uh, anonymous coach was asked about Louisville. Um, and what he thought about him. Um, and I just want to read this for you guys uh, really quickly. It's just a, a, a couple paragraphs. But I just thought it was kind of interesting <laughs> what other folks are saying about Louisville in the, in the league. Hmm. Uh, he says, um, it's win-now time uh, for Louisville. He said, other than Georgia Tech, um, this is the job that people think is going to come open in the league. So first of all, he thinks that Satterfield's going to get fired. Uh, you watch the coaching and the, the player turnover stack up, and it seems like they've drifted from what made Scott Satterfield – Successful at Appalachian State. Offensively, um, he's still going to be calling plays, so I'm skeptical on how different things are going to look with Lance Taylor's offensive coordinator. Uh, they don't seem settled on what they want to do with Malik. Um, it's hard to figure out their identity, but it's also hard to see what they want it to be. It says defensively, they're very average at best. They don't uh, pressure much. They don't have anyone up front who bothers you. Uh, probably the thing that jumps out most is how much they've worked the portal in both directions and how different that is from what Scott came up with at Appalachian State. Even as a uh, group of five team, they had a system of developing players, which is true, uh, building a very specific culture. Um, and uh, the last few years, it seems like they've always uh, been scrambling to rebuild that roster and define themselves. He says, I think the school and the head coach figured out that they're not a great fit for each other a while ago, and there hasn't been a way to create a break yet. Wow. Uh, he's tried to, to get out, uh, and it didn't work. And they have been, uh, he says, and there have been issues at the school uh, that have probably brought him uh, some time. Oh, he's done some, uh, there's been some issues at the school that have probably bought him some time uh, up until now. Unless they surprise a lot of people, this feels like the end. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Yeah, just, you know what? That yeah. pretty much sums up my thoughts. <laughs> that that is uh, that, what y'all think about that, dude. He brought, he put him on the summer jam screen. <laughs> I mean, dude, like I I had I missed that this week. I, I've been pretty busy. Uh, didn't do my due diligence. Apparently, whoo, lordy, <laughs> that that is skating, and and. Gosh, I don't know. I mean, it's funny. I, Nobody locally has talked about that. Nobody locally has talked about this article at all. I'm literally the first person's brought because you know all I do is listen to local radio. I think yeah. I'm the first person to read that live on air. <laughs> I mean, I, but you know, and meanwhile, we got people in 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 Louisville fans, and I mean, until you hear that from an outsider, it you know, a, a coach within the conference, you know, the big question that that I've been hearing this off season is. Is this season just another wash? Because you look at, at the recruiting class he's coming in, like, do you have to give Scott a, a, a pass this year? 
and see what he brings in next year. And apparently other coaches in the league are like, no, nah, you absolutely don't. And any other school get rid of him. I, I mean, and I can't argue with that. Oh, and I do want to let anybody know who wants to uh, to give a call in and give their thoughts on, on what they just heard. 414-1450 is the Thornton's text line. 384-1450 is the uh, call in line. I think we, I may have missed uh, a call, so caller, uh, you know, give a call back, and we'll definitely get straight to you. But, no, I, I mean. I, I mean, but, like, wasn't that what we said pretty much all last year? I mean, like, literally what that coach said is what we pretty much said, like, literally all last year. He kept it real. Yeah. I mean, that's the we talking about. He kept about. it real anonymous. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, you know uh, anonymously, you know, when you ain't got to put your name on it, you'll definitely go out there. And that's one thing I appreciate anonymous uh, conversations because at least they give honest assessments. But at the same time, you do wish they put their name on it. But you know. I mean, but honestly, I mean, that, it's probably that's, the Wake Forest head coach, Clawson. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but, uh, that's exactly who I was thinking of. <laughs> I mean, but, but, but that's like literally what we thought. Like, Ooh. like last year and the year before that. I mean, like when, when people in the press box tried to talk us down, when we talked about with him going to South Carolina, trying to leave to go to South Carolina and trying to get out of here, they was like, no, 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 no. Scott, lo- Scott loves it here. And we was like, and it seems like he's trying to leave. I mean, <laughs> I'm not sure about you guys, but the dude does not look happy here at all. It's tough, man. I mean, you know, I, I, and no, I, and I agree with you. I, I think that for me, I, I understand everybody was ready to murder Scott Satterfield after last year. Uh, at, the, at the Air Force game after that, everybody was pretty much done with them. They were basically saying, when is he going to get fired so we can bring in Brom? Okay, I was not on the Brom thing. Like, that was pretty much almost everybody else. I, I was never, you know, Brom was, to me, was always going to be a, a good candidate, but I was never a Brom or we're terrible guy. I, you know, that, that, that was never me. Um, but, you know, I give credit to Scott Satterfield. I give credit to UofL doing everything they could, um, not related to winning football games, of doing what they could to salvage the ship and to get the hype built up. And to their credit, they did it. I mean, literally, I'd probably say 70% of the fans, at least the vocal majority, have forgiven him because of uh, Pierce Clarkson and because of uh, the additions that they made in the transfer portal, guys like Tyon Evans um, and and Tyler Hudson and and what they've done bringing in Lance Taylor and uh, uh, Coach McGriff, uh, you know, to to be uh, offensive and defensive coordinators and and assist. Um, So, you know, I definitely give credit um, to them doing everything they could. They kind of pulled a magic trick and made everybody forget or at least um, people that um, – <laughs> I don't want to say weaker-minded or people that are easily tricked, but just the people that want to be happy because I, I think that that's one of the things with Louisville fans. Louisville fans are so tired of all the struggles and all of the controversy and all of the losing that they're hopeful for anything. Um, so pe- people that that really, really want to just dive into hope are diving into hope off of what momentum was gained during the offseason. Um, and I can't fault them for that. Uh, but I mean, that's, I mean that, that, that recruiting class is a whole lot of hope. Yeah. But, but back to the article, I mean, that's literally almost everything we've been saying for the past couple of years from the main event to now Wake Up 502 when, I, when our criticism and critiques of Scott Satterfield. No pressure on defense, you know, not really having to 
uh, the athletes in on the roster that you need to do. Not really developing a lot of talent. You don't see a lot of guys. The talk get, about the, the the culture angle that he did that he discussed when he said that you know it's kind of been shocking how many. Uh, things that have happened in the transfer portal and not really developing his own guys uh, and kind of just trying to bring in a lot of different parts every year, I, which is something that I really hadn't thought about that, but I thought that was a good point also. And it's a very good point, and, and that's something that we've talked about a little bit. You know, when Scott, you know, is known for developing talent, but when he first got here, and, and when we've said this before, he was bound and determined to do it Appalachian State way with Appalachian State almost level talent. And we were like, you can't compete in ACC with, you know, week in and week out with Appalachian State level talent and size, especially size, right? Yeah. Because he wanted these smaller, undersized guys. So he went his first class and actually his first recruiting class and a half really was smaller, undersized guys that were probably maybe a little bit quicker, and it just didn't pan out. And you know, in football, like. You can't, you know, like you can't turn over your roster as fast as you can in basketball. So once you get a whole recruiting class in, or recruiting class and a half, you know, it's going to be like three or four years before you can turn that roster back over again. So he had no choice but to go to transfer portal to try to, you know, fill those gaps and try to develop guys through the system. And the problem is the guys who are trying to develop through the system could never be big and fast enough to consistently compete at this level. So now you're stuck. On that treadmill, almost of trying to get better players, and he whiffed on. Well, he, I think he whiffed on D line class, like what two years in a row. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, yeah. Uh, and except for Yaya Diaby, uh, but bringing him in and Ashton Gelati, both of those guys, um, you know, have become what consider. You know, I know that they they put both of those guys in ranked in the top twenty five best um, edge rushers uh, in college football. Um, so you know that that was interesting to see. Um, as long as, as well, excuse me, uh, and uh, Yasir Abdullah, um, those two guys are uh, not not Jelati. Jelati was was mentioned as a, a potential breakout star, but it was Yasir Abdullah um, and Yaya Diaby, who's both ranked in the top twenty five. Um, so you know the, they do have some talent, um, but definitely the recruiting uh, left a lot to be desired in terms of depth, which has always been the biggest issue. Is that your frontline guys are pretty good. But you don't really have anything behind them, so what ends up happening is your defense wears down, and we've seen that defense look like Swiss cheese in the you know second part I mean, of the third quarter. Honestly, though, our front line, D line guys were never really that good. Like Goldwire yep. never really turned out. Yeah, to our be, interior linemen definitely. Yeah, they never really turned out to be like really anything of substance. So you had to you know rely on Upsir Dula, you know, blitzing from a linebacker position most times. To get you know to get that pressure, and when your defensive scheme doesn't call for getting a lot of pressure and blitzing a lot anyway, you know it's just that's where Jermaine Lele comes in. I mean, truthfully, like that's that that's why that would to, to be able to bring in the number one defensive line transfer and it's get huge. him is humongous, and, and that's going to be that, that's why I say this this season is so interesting, Joe, uh, is because um, if you look at Vegas right now, the over under on win total. Uh, for for Scott Satterfield is six and a half, which is interesting. Yeah, I, I, exactly I thought it would have been five and a half. I I thought it was going to be five and a half just because national perception coming off two losing seasons. I thought it would have been a little bit lower. But saying that he's going to get between six and seven wins, um, I think Satterfield keeps his job. I think Absolutely he's here. He does. Yeah. I like no, that. I think I think 
I think the six or seven thing, you're talking about national media people. When you say, you know, the national uh, look at it, Vegas knows what they're doing. And and the thing that we've learned with Scott is he pulls rabbits out of hats, man. You know, I mean, nobody expected that first season. Now you can go back and you can argue, and but there's revisionist history to both sides of the argument about, well, Bobby did leave him some talent. Yeah, but he left him a lot of holes, too. Um, and he left a roster that, that had to be convinced they wanted to play football, at, at, you know, at Louisville still. So he, he did a great job in year one. Then we've had a couple of, what the hell, how much do we attribute to COVID? Okay, we're going to give him we're gonna give him another pass, but, man, this Air Force game got me, got me worried. Well, then he, you see the recruiting class he pulls in. So if his back's against the wall, I'm betting on seven wins. Oh yeah, uh, you know, and, and and I, to a certain extent, I agree. He does coach his best when it seems like he's right about to get fired, <laughs> or, or, or the heat is like really on him. That's that's when he coaches his best. Uh, you know, but like you know, I, I look at the talent, I look at every everything that we brought in, I look at all the great transfers, things of that nature. But you know, to me, it was like, can he get out of his own way? Will he be able to be aggressive? Because having all that talent, you know, all, all that transfer talent in, in key spots is awesome. It's, it's dope, right? But one, you know, the depth still isn't quite there yet. So if any of these guys go down and have to sub some guys out, you know, how much of a drop-off are you going to get between first and second string, number one? Uh, two, is he going to be aggressive? Like, are the cornerbacks going to be allowed to play maybe – a little bump and run, a little press coverage. Are we going to blitz? Yeah, I'm like, are we going to blitz? Like, are we going to be able to, you know, put pressure on the opposing team's quarterback rather than kind of sit back and have a bend, don't break, kind of let the offense kind of dictate what goes on and we just kind of react to what to what happens on defense? Like, like what's going to happen? Because, like, you can have all the greatest players in the world, but – if you don't have that aggressive scheme to maximize their abilities, it doesn't really matter. I cannot. Uh, hold on. Hold on. Oh, there, there you I'm go. Back? Okay. My, my, my biggest thing is this. Um, I, I think that Louisville, my, my one suggestion to, to Brian Brown is I, I'm going to say this, that the Louisville defensive coordinator. The only time you should be rushing three is on third and 15 or more. If, if, if it's third and, and eight, third and 10, third and 12, please don't rush three. Leave your linebackers in their area, in their space, because you did a great job first and second down getting teams into third and long. Louisville did a good job of consistently getting teams into third and five or more. But the problem was after your defense did a good job first two downs, because you completely bailed, um, you allowed a lot. So, I mean, that that's going to be my, my first suggestion. But I am excited to hear about the new names. Um, I'm, I'm very excited to hear about guys like Quincy Riley, uh, the transfer from Middle Tennessee State, and some of the other guys. But I agree with you guys. I mean, it's going to be mo- definitely more about the uh, the decisions that are made in the most crucial points. And, unfortunately, that's something that we're not going to see until the season starts. Um, and that's going to be on the road at Syracuse. Um, so, uh, unfortunately, I think a lot of answers uh, won't be had until that happens. Are, are the coaching staffs coaching more confident? <clears throat> are, are they more aggressive? Do they have that ruthless aggression that they need to win? 
That's the big question. Hey, you know what? Hour number one is in the books. Hour number two is coming right your way. You are listening to Wake Up 502. Rashawn Myers, Haven Harrington, Joe Kelly. Hey, we'll be back on Big X Sports Radio. Welcome back. Hour number two. Wake up 502 here in the Derby City, Louisville, Kentucky. Year of our Lord, August the 6th, 2022. It is going down. Football is back in the building. We are talking all things Louisville football. Uh, and while the excitement of uh, of training camp being underway and the excitement of uh, a new year on the rise, uh, you know, I, I, unfortunately... <laughs> <laughs> My steam colleagues are not here to, to to pump the sunshine for you folks that are excited about everything going on. And that's not to say, hey, look, I, I know that um, there's a lot of talk and a lot of analysis going out there. And, and I feel like that has been what we have done the last couple of seasons, the last three seasons, truthfully, about trying to break down um, – the X's and O's, the guys that that can that can show. I'm very very excited. Like that front four. Uh, when I think about uh, the possibility of having a pass rush of Yasir Abdullah, Ashton Gelati, Jermaine Lole, Yaya Diabe as your front four, and then that fifth guy being Monty Montgomery, that gets me excited. Like it really does. Like like that that front five. 
as as far as being able to attack a quarterback, those guys that all have shown ability, all the guys that have potential, you got a, a a few guys that have have NFL aspirations in that group. Like that front five gets me extremely excited. Um, but you know that I think that the the biggest issue and the biggest thing that that everybody worries about, man, and and it's tough because you can't really get excited about all the new names. You can't get excited about the fact that yes, Keytrail Clark is coming off a knee injury, um, but he's back and healthy, and he's going to be here at another year at the University of Louisville, where most everybody thought he was going to be going pro after last year. Um, it, it's very exciting to have a guy like Quincy Riley, um, who before Tyler Hudson got committed was the highest rated transfer coming. And over and people thought that his this kid had the chance to be a star um, at the defensive back uh, position. Uh, you know Jarvis Brownlee, the transfer from Florida State, uh, being able to bring him in to be a part of your secondary. Um, you know you, you get excited about that. Um, th- there were so many th- there's so many players. Um, that you can get excited about. Tyon Evans, of course, the the uh, the stellar, outstanding running back from Tennessee. Um, uh, the way, uh, you know, Jawar Jordan showed at the end of the season. I mean, he was an absolute monster against Duke uh, running the football. Uh, you think about him and Evans and, and having Jalen Mitchell back. Uh, you get so excited about the fact that even Malik uh, uh, Cunningham, who's probably going to set just about every quarterback record there is, <laughs> this year, uh, uh, of course, uh, thanks in part due to having an additional year of eligibility um, because of the COVID year, um, he's going to have an opportunity to be one of the better quarterbacks in the country. But I, I think that at least the stance from myself, and I, I would say that that um, Haven and Joe are kind of of that same mindset, is that we've seen this this thing before and we've seen uh this story before and i think that it's kind of one of those things like it's charlie brown with the football uh for a perfect analogy is that every time we see lucy holding that football and lucy promises she's gonna leave the football there so charlie brown can kick the field goal and then she yanks the football away and i feel like the the last couple of seasons um, you know, Scott Satterfield promised us that he was going to leave the football down so we could kick the football, and then he yanked it out um, by his apprehensive kind of, you know, scared um, to, to, to win lack of aggressiveness with his play calling on, on offense and defense. And I feel like because of that, fellas, and, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, I feel like we just – we're not necessarily going to buy into that until we actually see something. It's more like, like, show me, like prove it first. And then at that point we can get on board. Yeah, pretty much. I'm not falling for banana in the tailpipe again. <laughs> I mean, unfortunately that's, that's pretty much where we are. I, 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 I hate to be like that because it kind of throws water on anything that comes out of camp, cold water on it. But like, and I think it's because I can. Can we at least be in agreement? I don't think it's the players. It's not the players. Like we know you have. So I, I will say this. It's partially, maybe like a small part, the players. But you don't do your players any good when you when it's third and seven and they're fifteen yards and your cornerbacks are fifteen yards off the line of scrimmage, right? So like you don't do your players any favors, and I. I understand what what coach is doing, you know what, what what the coaching brain trust is doing, what they're thinking. Like they don't want to put their guys in a position to get beat deep, but by playing so timid and so passive, 
they're getting beat underneath. You know, they're getting beat anyway. You're giving up first downs. Yeah. And you, and you don't have enough talent, especially in the trenches, to where you can rush three, four guys and get pressure. You know, you have to bring the heat some type of way. And they were just – the coaching staff is very risk-averse, right? They kept trying to play it safe, especially on defense. They just kept trying to play it safe. And they got abused by trying to play it safe. So, yeah. you know, even with some talent, you know, they still just can't, you know, they can't play it safe. I mean, you got to put the chips on the table. You got to get, you got to go ahead and blitz. I think, like, I would be personally with me for this, you know, you guys would be different. You can tell me if you feel differently. But I really, you get deep beat blitzing and going hard and being aggressive than you giving up 10, 15, 20 yard pass plays over the middle, like every freaking five minutes because. You're trying not to get beat deep, and you're trying, and you're playing so passive. Well, well, for me, Haven, but it's, that's me. It's funny because, like, really and truthfully, I don't even think it was about blitzing because I really love, and I'm not lying to you, I really love Louisville's play calling defensively, first and second down, because most times that that the teams did end up in third and long, third and seven, third and eight, third and ten, third and twelve, even. Um, it was the fact that you kind of changed what you were doing. In my personal opinion, I don't even think they needed to bring additional pressure or blitz some kind of crazy blitz scheme. Just play your standard defense third down, and I believe that you probably would have converted on getting teams off the field at probably a 30% higher clip. Like the, I think 30% of the time, if they just played their standard defense, 30% of the possessions where they actually ended up giving up a first down, I think they would have gotten stops. If they just literally played their standard defense. Not bringing extra pressure, not having to go all out seven or eight man pressure, but I'm just saying leave your cornerbacks at standard depth, uh, rush your four or five, and let the chips fall where they may. I think that 30% of those possessions where they gave up and converted, I think – you get stops on at least 30% of those plays. Like, so I'm not even talking about being aggressive in terms of just going all out, getting out of your schemes and just doing anything crazy, Blitzkrieg style. I'm just talking about just believe that your guys can stand up and make a play in standard defense. You don't have to do anything specialty. You know, it's kind of like those teams, uh, baseball is big about, you know, we know this guy uh, is, we scout this guy that he hits this many percentage of his, uh, you know, his uh, at-bats to the left. So we're going to go to this ultimate super shift where we send our whole defense to the left side of the field to guard against that. Like, I feel like, Louisville gets so afraid of giving up the, the, the big play that in the biggest moments they're like, okay, this is a play where we're now we're third and long. We really, really can't de- get beat deep now. So we're going to let them run a five-yard out, catch the ball, and then run for 12 yards. You know, like that, that seemed to be what happened more often. Or even, you know, we, we saw how many times did the quarterback draw kill Louisville last year? I mean, Will Levis mm. literally became a first-round draft pick consideration because of that. Because he took one step back and ran forward for, f- for yeah, 15 yards. We, we vacated our linebackers 30 yards, you know, 20, 20 yards back. You know? And didn't have to size up front to stop him. Well, I mean, it's not about size up front. Well, if, you're, if you're only rushing three. Well, I would say this against Kentucky, it was a little bit about the size up front. But, but, but the thing is, is if you're only rushing three, three versus five. It doesn't help either. Yeah. If you're rushing, I don't give a damn if it is Jermaine Lole and the rest of those guys. If you rush three and you have five offensive linemen versus three defensive linemen, 
Normally you're going to lose that battle because three guys can can basically uh, you know, triple team on Lole in the middle, and it, w- when your guys go take these long, swooping outside rushes, what's that leave? Running lanes to the left and to the right. Just pick whichever one looks more open. Joe, am I, am I crazy about that? No, it's it, it, that's that was what was so absurd to me about when we when we when we would only rush three at the at the quarterback is that we never made any adjustment. Like to your point that you just made about taking outside sweeping angles, why are you doing that when you're rushing three? You're we're we're acknowledging that we're not going to get pressure when you rush three. So what you have to do is you have to play your you have to you have to, you have gaps right. That you have to protect from the quarterback scramble. I, I that that was mind-boggling to me. Just watching that, I, last year I found myself screaming, "Just ask Madden for Christ's sake!" Press <laughs> like, square. It's it's okay to say I don't have anything in my bag for this. Not the ask Madden play. Oh, wow! It was it was atrocious. So that I mean, and that's not to get back and, and and harp on points we've already made, but that's that's why I'm in the show me stage of, of everything. If I'm not going to begrudge fans who get excited over hearing that because I do feel like uh, I've said this for for a couple of years now. Louisville fans are so beat up and they're so tired of, of not having anything to celebrate that I'm not going to come throw water on their party. And I'm not going to say you shouldn't be excited. Man, if you're excited, good for you. I'm happy for you. I wish I shared your enthusiasm. I'm just, I'm numb at this point, you know? I can, I can, have, I can have a knee-jerk reaction when I'm watching it, and that's probably not a good thing because I don't really have knee-jerk reactions. Oh, man, that was great. I, I look at that and go, okay, is this a trend or was that a fluke? My knee-jerk reactions usually come from, we've seen this before, <laughs> nothing's changed, and, and to, to what Haven was saying earlier about, uh, it's going to take the first game. It's going to take, first, uh, I'll, I'll make up my mind after week three. Uh, I think that's when Florida State comes to town for the night game. Agreed. I'll be able to walk out of, out of that game on Friday night um, and tell you guys exactly what I think this team is capable of doing and what I'm I just don't see possible. And the, and the thing about us and I and I and forgive me if I'm speaking out of turn, fellas, but I, I don't feel like because there are some people like I know people that just hate their own team. Like they just say we're suck, we're going to lose, uh, we're terrible. I don't feel like that's where we are because I think that we understand and we feel like Louisville has the personnel and especially playing against the teams that they are in the ACC, that I feel like we pretty much know that Louisville can win just about every game that they are playing versus the teams they are. Like I feel like we, we feel like they have the talent and they have the ability. It's just more or less will they be able to make the plays and have the competent play calling required to get it done. A- am I wrong in saying that? Like I don't feel like we're just saying we suck, we're terrible, we're just not going to win because we're a bad football team. No, no. No, no. I mean, uh, he does a great job in the first three quarters, and then in the fourth quarter, it's just like our coach gets it, 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 the the staff in general. They get hesitant. They pull up. They stop. They stop firing. He turns into they the stop, coach from the water boy. You, you remember the, when the coach from, from yeah. the water boy is sitting on mm-hmm. the football and he's like making like the bird noise? 
<laughs> and he's like, he just doesn't know what to do. Like, he just gets it, nervous. He's just trying to keep the clock running. And that <laughs> and that to me is is that man scared money don't make money. And that's having zero confidence in your team. That to me is coaching from the standpoint of I don't know how we got here. Let's just try not to screw it up. No, you know how you got here. You put together the plan of how you got here. Follow right. it for one more quarter. One more quarter. We're literally this is the home stretch. Um I, it's been frustrating, and, and that, that is where I will knock Satterfield and what I've been I've said for a couple of years now with you guys. I just don't know that when the game, you know, when, when it, it's a close game, he freezes up and he doesn't do the number one priority of a coach, which is you have to identify the chess pieces on your board and move them into position to succeed. He doesn't put his, his players in a position to be successful. I agree. I agree. Absolutely. 100%. Hey, and, and, and fellas, we got us a call into the uh, Wake Up 502 buzz line, 384-1450. Got our man Jay has on the line. Jay, how you doing this morning? Doing fine, sir. Doing fine. Excellent. Excellent. What you got for us this morning? Man, I just woke up on this beautiful Saturday morning. Just beautiful. Yes. I, I can't say for Louisville basketball, but <laughs> I'm not going to get into that, sir. Okay. Only thing I will, only thing I will say, man, I, you know, it's football season is 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 here. Is uh, I see the Hall of Fame, you know, event took took away the other night, and it was pretty good. Oakland looked pretty good. Uh, but of course, it's preseason still. But football season's here, and I'm excited for it. Basketball's around the corner. But but the, let me let me just get in this real quick, guys. I'm gonna let you go. One of the baddest sports shows in the city. Yes, sir. Um. We say a lot about Louisville basketball. Rashawn was talking about the other night how prestigious this program is. Um, it doesn't get no better than, than you know, as far as the money, the revenue, that kind of thing. But but here is the point that I that I, I'm missing the point. Okay. Maybe down the line, we don't know what goes through people's situations, people's life, personal life. Maybe these kids that really wanted to look at Louisville, wanted to, you know, was interested. Let's say that it was interested in Louisville. Okay. Um, you got to look at it, man. There's still a, a clause hanging over their head with this NCAA, okay? Mm-hmm. And, you know, you know, people do talk. And people, you know, kids talk and adults talk and and, and uh, AAU coaches talk. So they don't, don't deal with Louisville. Louisville still going there with their investigation on the Rick Pitino and they got Kenny Payne, blah, 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 and this and that. We don't like Kenny Payne. You know, we, you know, we like Caliper. We don't like Kenny Payne. You, 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 you see what I'm saying? There's a lot of mixtures in this involved that we really don't really don't know. Mm-hmm. And the reason, the nature is, is, is why has he not one kid say, hey, I'm going to commit to the University of Louisville through, through the adversity what takes place. Not one kid stepped to the plate and signed in the last two to three months. And it's kind of embarrassing because you look at the number seven prestigious program in the nation. And it's kind of, it's kind of. I, I see people's frustration. I see people like we got Kenny Payne. Down, you know, we, we we know basketball is really here. We don't know yet. We don't, we don't know if the basketball method is here for Louisville. We we can't say that yet. But the point that I'm saying is, to you guys is, is uh, play one and play two. Why is it that we we couldn't get one? I know I understand about the NI. I understand all that. But why would we get one kid to commit? Follow the prestige of a university, a Louisville basketball. 
Right. Not Kenny Payne, not the NIA. I talk about the prestige university putting a Louisville jersey on, playing in front of 22,000 people. No, that's a good question. No, that's I, no, I, no I, and, and I appreciate it, Jay. I, and I think that that's an interesting point because I, I know that, um, you know, of course, speaking on this 2023 class, we're still waiting to see, um, you know, kind of the saga with uh, DJ Wagner's going back and forth. First, he was looking like, Louisville was going to be the spot, and then Kentucky after the Spain trip, uh, Calipari going to Spain to see DJ. It kind of looked like he was leaning Kentucky. Now it's a little bit murkier, and nobody really knows what's happening with he or his teammate Aaron Bradshaw, um, and we're just trying to figure out what's happening. Uh, but, no, I, I, I agree to your point um, that it is scary, um, and – you know, we'll have to wait and see that there's not been a single commitment, not a high-level commitment, not a, a mid-tier commitment, not a top 100 commitment. There's not been any outside, of course, Louisville's own Caleb Glenn, who's already committed for 2023. And I know that everybody um, kind of cautioned and said, you know what, it's okay with what happens in 2022 because 2023 is going to be the class where Kenny Payne really shows off. The only problem with that is right now, um, according to 247 Sports, there's only eight players total in the top 40 that aren't currently heavily leaning or already committed to a university and most of these kids have already made their commitments and what the, what I, I say that all that to say that um everybody is jumping ship okay so it's kind of one of those things where everybody's jumping off jumping off the big boat and going and sailing towards their new destinations and none of these kids are picking louisville and the problem is and you get into a situation with is where if you don't get dj or if dj does end up deciding to stick with uncle calipari because you know of all the things he did for the wagner family um and bradshaw follows him down to uk which a lot of people thinks could definitely happen with uk um this 2023 recruiting class could be in trouble. Um, and I think that you could be looking at um, a class truthfully coming in next year that's worse than what Louisville has coming this year, barring something happening in the transfer portal. And, and that is a bit scary. Rashawn and Joe, buddy, you the best. And uh, appreciate you guys giving me the opportunities to uh, dial into the number one sports show across this, across this city and this state. Keep doing what you do with the positive sports and uh, local, international sports as well, too. Appreciate you guys. Hey, appreciate it, Jay. Thanks for the call this morning. One of the, the greatest to ever do it in the city of Louisville, uh, Jay has doing his thing. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it, 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 you know, I, I know that we've been on the football tip this morning, but, you know, with, with the big news um, of Justin Perez joining the University of Louisville as director of basketball administration, Okay, that is different than uh, the the um, young lady whose name escapes me, who who's been brought in as the, the director of basketball operations. He's going to be the director of basketball administration, um, uh, which I don't know if U of L is creating jobs or or you know has new <laughs> so, so, some new things going on over there. But Justin, who of course we've talked about it uh, previously, his mom um, is the CEO of Rock Nation Sports, and his dad. Um, is also uh, president of Rock Nation as well. So Justin is uh, has a couple of parents that are power brokers um, in the music industry and the sports industry as well. Um, so, you know, this is definitely, um, I think, a home run hire to be able to bring in someone with that pedigree. Um, he just um, graduated from Harvard, uh, Harvard Law. 
Um, so congratulations to him on that and to be able to bring in a young man like that. Uh, you would think with his um, with his lineage and his experience, um, he uh, was and uh, he was doing some some. Uh, uh, intern work with the New York Knicks uh, in their front office. Um, so this is a young man that I feel is going to be uh, and looked at as a superstar uh, in the uh, business side of things. So being able to bring in his his mind and bringing in his cachet, um, I definitely think that he's going to help. But the question is, fellas, I mean, what's going to be the tangible effect? Because people say that bringing in guys like Perez is going to help. I remember, Haven, when when we first talked about Justin Perez a couple months ago and it was looking like we were bringing him in. And, Joe, I know you remember this as well. One of the big angles was bringing in Justin Perez was pretty much going to lock up Imani Bates uh, because Imani Bates, of course, uh, his um, – his uh, 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 agency is Rock Nation Sports. So that was kind of the thought was bringing in Perez would lock up Amani Bates. But, of course, now we know Amani Bates is back. He's committed to Eastern Michigan, and he's going to be playing for the Eagles and Stan Heath um, this fall. So the question is, I guess, what or where is that impact going to be seen? And is this going to be something that's going to be a tangible help for Louisville? Well, you know, I mean, you made the point that so many of the top 40 players uh, are already committed. And I mean, a damn thing until they're on campus. We've all been there and done that. That's why I have trouble getting hyped up about recruiting. Right. Uh, you know, if Kenny puts out an entertaining product, you don't know who's going to flip a commitment. And you can, It's. I think it's perfectly reasonable to question you know, how is this recruiting going to work out? We know he's a capable recruiter. We're just not seeing it. The immediate results that I think a lot of people wanted to see, I think a lot of people expected. Um, but what you can't argue with is the man can assemble a staff. Yes. He can put some very impressive pieces around him where you look at the total package and say, man, okay, let's, let's let this thing cook. Let's see what we've got. Um, so, yeah, now the only thing left to me, if, if you're having trouble selling kids, and Jay brought up the point that the NCAA stuff is still looming, that's valid. Um, Kenny, this is his first time as a head coach. If, if kids have concerns or, the, or their parents or their coaches have concerns about that, I think that's valid. So now all he can do is say, I'm going to roll out with this squad that it's not a, a full, fully assembled roster. It's not what I want. But what do you see what I do with this? Now imagine you playing in my system. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I think that's going to be the biggest thing, and that's why I said I feel like for 2023, I I don't think, even if Louisville, let's just say, I'll grant you your argument, let's say we get D.J. Wagner. D.J. Wagner is not a magic bullet. Okay, DJ Wagner is is a good player, and I think that he would definitely help the University of Louisville. Um, but he by himself in a recruiting class um, that was, you know some would deem <clears throat> you know not what folks expected. You know, I know a lot of people were, were saying you know three and four, five stars, and having these UK like classes. That's not going to happen for twenty twenty three. It's just not. Um, and one of the reasons why I agree with you, Joe, I think a lot of kids are going to wait, want to wait and see what Kenny Payne can do with what he has. Um, but, you know, the, the tough thing for Louisville with 2023 is signing day is uh, first week in November. It's the first Wednesday in November. So literally most of these kids are going to get signed before Kenny Payne ever coaches a game. Uh, so, you know, I, I think for 2023, Louisville's class is not going to be as exciting 
as it or as powerful as possibly it could be. I think that DJ Wagner will definitely help from an image standpoint because that is winning a, a, a recruitment battle against Kentucky. Um, that is going out there, getting that showpiece that other kids look up to because they know the name DJ Wagner. I think that helps a lot. I think it helps tremendously. So I think that it's going to be 2023 is going to be all about symbolism. I don't think that powerful, you know, in terms of having just a rock star, super powerful. Like I think Louisville can get DJ Wagner and still end up with a borderline top ten class, even with DJ, um, just because they're not going to get a lot of top end talent in 2023. I just think that with the guys that are already committed, it's probably not going to happen. Um, but I think symbolically, if you can at least bring in DJ Wagner to be kind of the the uh, figure piece of that, I think that's huge. Now, if you don't get DJ Wagner, I think that. Even if they get an okay class, it's going to be seen as a disappointment because it's going to look like Kenny Payne just kind of whiffed on all his his elite guys. And then it'll definitely be about what he does with the kids on campus, what he does with this Louisville team, and how he can get prospective recruits uh, in 2024 to want to buy in to what he is selling. Um, so it's going to be a wait and see. Um, it'll be interesting. I do think that the Justin Perez hire long term is going to be it's going to pay dividends. I, I think that he has a future in a NBA front office as a general manager, as a, a CEO, that type of thing. I think Justin Perez has those types, those types of aspirations, and I think that that he's going to get there. Um, so what he does and how he impacts Louisville on the business side and the business sports side, I think is going to be humongous. Uh, I just don't think that anybody who was expecting to see this immediate like downfall impact, I just think that that was a bit ambitious to begin with um, because unfortunately because Kenny Payne has been out of the, the college game for a few years not having the connections I think and of course being a first time head coach he just doesn't have anything to hang his hat on um, so I, I think we're going to have to wait and see uh, on that but uh, with that being said fellas let's go ahead take this second break when we come back I want to uh, get your uh, you know I, I got a couple of thoughts on the Hall of Fame game, um, NFL training camps getting going, Lamar Jackson uh, and how he's handling everything uh, pending his new contract. Uh, and, and, of course, the NBA being held hostage uh, by a few possible trades, um, uh, disgruntled players and the such. Uh, so we'll be back. You're listening to Wake Up 502. Got one more segment left if you want to give in, get in. 414-1450 is the Thornton's buzz line. 384-1450 is the caller line. And we'll be back. Big X Sports Radio. Holy Psycho bitches in my lobby. I got haters in the paper photo shoots with paparazzi. Can't even take my daughter for a walk. See him by the corner store. I feel like I'm calling it off. Enough is enough. I'm calling it off. Who the f I'm kidding though? I'm getting I got more at stake in Philly. Shopping sprees, copping three. Dudes fever, I yeses. But loaded, ah yes. Bouncing in the Lex Luger. Tire smoke like Buddha. 50 G's to the crap shooter. In can't fade me. Chrome socks beaming. Through my peripheral, I see you scheming. Stop dreaming, I leave your body steaming. Cause the intervening, what's the meaning? I'm leaning on any intervening with the sound of my money machining. My cup runneth over with hundreds. I'm one of the best, never done it. Six stitches and running. 
yachts and I don't want it I got the Godfather flow to Don Juan DeMarco Swear to God, don't get it up Welcome back, welcome back in. You can't knock the hustle to wake up 502 even if you try. We are back here. Big X Sports Radio. Rashawn Myers, Haven Harrington, Joe Kelly coming back for one last segment. Fellas, got about 20 minutes left in the show. If you want to get involved, 414-1450 is the Thornton's text line. That's the best way to get involved. 384-1450 is the uh, call-in line as well. If you want to uh, give us a quick shout before the end of the show, um, definitely have enjoyed the conversation this morning. Football heavy, which I know makes Haven Harrington just so happy that we can talk football again. Got my U of L media guide here. Uh, got uh, uh, Yasir Abdullah on the front, giving a primal scream. Uh, you know, so th- th- this is how I know we're, we're back. You know, we've had the press box classic. I got my media guide. I got the breakdowns for all the players, the, all the historical records for University of Louisville. They're doing the 50 greatest moments uh, can be heard all over the airwaves here in the city. So just kind of going back and thinking about some of the, 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 the key moments. Uh, that have made University of Louisville football great over the years, having seen so many of those watershed moments, kind of growing up through the the birth uh, of Louisville football, you know, from, you know, everybody always says that they were about to disband the program. Um, and, and to see them go from that in the white picket fence in the end zone at, at Cardinal Stadium over there at the fairgrounds to now where they are in the ACC um, in a legit stadium, um, Still gets me excited. Like, I know that that first game, uh, for all the things that we talked about, fellas, and all the uh, the criticisms that I think are completely fair that we have with Coach Satterfield and the team, I'm going to tell you what. On game day, when it's time to go out there against Syracuse, I'm going to be hyped. I'm going to be loud. I'm going to be excited. Um, and, and I am going to, like, cheer for my squad like I always have. And I'm still going to get pissed off and angry when we do stupid things, and I'm going to get super excited when we do great things. Like, I'm excited about it. Like, I, I, no, nothing that we've said this morning has deterred uh, my fanship and my support of the University of Louisville, and I don't think anything ever will. So I'm still going to go out there and, and live and, and die by everything that, that we see. I mean, uh, uh, I feel like, like you all are going to be out there cheering, cheering just the same, aren't you? Absolutely, man. What, what else would I do? I'm stuck with Louisville. Louisville's stuck with me. It's a good relationship we've had going. We're not going to break it up. But, uh, but yeah, that's that's exactly how I feel. Yeah, you know, I, I agree. You know, I'm, I, I am excited about this football season. I, I am excited to see, like, the changes that the stats going to implement on, on the coaching side. I'm excited to see what Kenny can do as a coach and how he's going to coach and to watch him kind of grow and learn how to be a head coach. I mean, I'm excited about all those things. You sound excited. I know, right? <laughs> I'm not going to talk about you. We got another call into the uh, Wake Up 502 buzz line. We got our brother Wayne on the line. Wayne, how you doing this morning, brother? Man, I'm good. It was good seeing you last night, Sean. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I, out there, absolutely. Uh, you know, get, getting out and getting me, to see your smiling face, absolutely. man. It was awesome. <laughs> And let me say good morning to Joe and Haven. What's up, Wayne? Morning, sir. Yeah, good to hear from you guys. 
I was going to comment on the uh, the piece that you read earlier, and and I'll just say this: this is my personal opinion. I I I despise people that like to have behind the cloak of anonymity. If you vote, if you bold enough to put it out there, then be bold enough to accept it. What are you afraid of? I don't like that. But everybody's got their own opinion, and, and whoever it is, I don't care. But uh, and I'll say this: as far as U of L goes, as far as the defense goes, uh, with the addition of Lowley and uh, Monty Clark being back and, and Key Trail, the defense will be greatly improved. They want people. People are not going to be able to do what they did last year because. Those were the missing pieces. Now that they have those in place, I look for a marked improvement uh, in the defense. And it's on the basketball front. A lot of people are uh, belly aching over the recruiting. I don't care about that. I don't worry about that. And the reason why I say that, because these kids, they change their minds daily. And, and Kenny Payne will get the people that want to be in Louisville's program. And, and I've said it before, I've not seen one team that had all these five stars, and I'll use Kentucky, and I'll use Duke. When's the last time they won a championship? Kentucky, all those number one classes, they've only won one championship, and they were lucky to win that because they had Anthony Davis and uh, Michael Kidd Gilchrist. So I don't care about that. You, you, you have to have a good mix, but you don't need a team full of five stars mm-hmm. to, to win a championship because I've not seen one. Not one. And, and, and that's what I'm going to say on that. And then as I close out, Sean, Joe, Haven, you my guys, and you know we said at the end of the day, go cards, and I appreciate you guys, and I look forward to and and, and Joe, I'm gonna hold you to that promise, man, on on that tailgate. I'm not gonna let you forget yes, that. Yes, sir. Yeah. I'm gonna hold you to it. <laughs> yes, sir, man. You can't, hey, I appreciate you guys, man. Y'all have a good day. Hey, hey. Appreciate it, Wayne. <laughs> hey, Wayne and anybody else can take me up on that. That's an open invite from uh, from from us. Absolutely, I am not hard to find at uh, tailgate. Just look for the smoke. Uh, it's it's the good kind though. You want this smoke? There there will be a grill running, and uh, you know we'll all be be BS, and then you can get the you can get the off radio version of our takes. Oh, yeah, which maybe is a lot more fun than the on-air take. <laughs> the on-air take yeah, is fun. The off-air take is definitely more fun. It, it, you know, the best conversations are had over a couple of adult beverages and a, and a plate of food. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> and it's a food always makes it better. Great conversation. And being able to go unedited and uncut <laughs> just makes for a very, very fun time. <laughs> Uh, no, but I. But you know what? And, and I agree with Wayne. And that's. It's never been about. Uh, you know these teams that that that, that stack their squads with five stars. So with basketball, I definitely agree with that. I think that the biggest question. Um, you know, with with what Louisville is bringing out there this year is, will they have enough horses? Um, to be able to get it done. And you talk about the guys that want to, you know, Louisville getting the guys that want to be there. I, I totally agree with you, and I totally think that that um, is the way that 
um, Kenny Payne is approaching it. I think that you just worry about having enough bullets in the gun. But that's that's remains to be seen. I mean, Kenny Payne's got to build the program that he feels um, is the best way to go about it. You know, and, and I think that there's going to be some mistakes made along the way. I think there's going to be some things that turn out better or, or that improve greatly because of what Kenny Payne and Nolan Smith and Danny Manning are able to do over there. Um, so it, it'll be interesting. I mean, both of these teams this year, I say there is a lot of mystery, a lot of optimism, and a lot of drama. Like, I think that there's going to be a lot of that. Like, sports radio this year may be the best that it's been since, like, the, 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 you know, the year of the Cardinal type stuff when, when, when Louisville was going to, to, you know, uh, big time bowl games and, and Louisville basketball was winning championships. I think that this this year is going to be very enter- entertaining for sports radio because I think we're going to finally get a resolution to this IARP stuff, which means that cloud will no longer be hanging over the head because we'll know what we're getting and we'll know that there will be an actual date to when this thing ends. Um, I think that there's going to be a lot of drama and intrigue with the football team because of everything that's at stake with Coach Satterfield and everything uh, that people are going to be excited about with the future with uh, Pierce Clarkson and crew and uh, Ruben Owens and all those guys. Um, And then on the basketball team, you have the new era in Kenny Payne and and how he goes about it and and can it work the way that he's trying to do it. I, I just think that... This is going to be a very fun year. Um, so, you, you know, you, you'll definitely want to make sure uh, that you continue to stay locked in Wake Up 502. And when we get out there for our live events, we actually um, haven't even told Haven this. Uh, there's a local establishment that is uh, pretty much all in with Wake Up 502 um, that wants us to come out and, and do some, some live events and possibly broadcast there um, every Saturday morning. Uh, and and, and kind of do that. So, uh, yeah, buddy. Uh, I, I will just say there's some people that are very excited about what we're doing here. So just make sure you stay locked in. Wake Up 502 is going to be a lot of places, uh, and we're going to be doing a lot of things that uh, you guys and some people, they may or may, you know, they hate us because they ain't us, and they're going to be real mad because they're going to hear us everywhere they don't want us to be. I'm just going to put it like that. I'm just going to leave it like that. <laughs> and won't say no more. But it's it's very there's a lot of exciting things coming down the pipe. You know what I'm saying? When, when you're good at what you do and, and I ride with and roll with the best, it gets taken notice of. I got a lot of good conversations there at the Press Box Classic as well. I know a lot of people you know think that I am the uh, the harbinger of death for Louisville athletics now. Like I'm some mean, evil person that all I do is hate on the university, but that could be further from the fact And the, the folks at Louisville still love me. So, uh, <laughs> they, they appreciate what I do too. They, they know that sometimes I give harsh, but fair criticism. Um, so, you know, as, as long as I still got the dap up and the bro hugs from all my people over there, uh, I'm good. Uh, but, fellas, I, I, you know, but before we get out of here, um, you know, I would be apropos if I did not say that I am excited as a, as a long-suffering Raiders fan. I know that it is the first preseason game, Haven. I know that it doesn't matter. I know that they're playing Dude, you start the, the show with the preseason doesn't matter. Preseason NFL really doesn't matter at all. And here you are getting hyped about your Raiders. <laughs> but let me tell you watching man, the first game. Josh McDaniels, I feel like it's time for him to step up to that next level 
of coaching. Like, I, I'm excited. Like, just watching the way they took the field and even with the backups, they looked like a different team. And, and I just envision what Derek Carr and Devontae Adams and, you know, all of our stellar talent that we have offensively, I just feel like it's a new day of Raider Nation, and I'm going to have something to cheer about this year. Still going to lose in the playoffs. Baltimore, <laughs> hey, if, if, if the Raiders lose to Baltimore in the playoffs, I am 100% okay with that. Because hey, man, I'm a former Steelers fan, and I say former because when Baltimore drafted our guy, I was, it was like, on. well, yeah. uh, you know what? I had a great run with Pittsburgh. All my favorite players have retired anyway. I don't pay taxes in the city of Pittsburgh, and I don't put fries on my sandwiches. So <laughs> uh, it's it's Charm City now. Just that simple. Just that easy. That's fair. Bought and sold. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I am definitely going to, you know, I'm still a, a, a Raider. I still am, uh, bleed silver and black, but I am every bit as much purple and black as I am silver and black. Like I said, I, I don't reside in either one of those cities, and, you know, the the Raiders change cities so many times that I still call them the <laughs> Oakland Raiders, even though they're L.A., Oakland, now Vegas. Uh, you know, they thought about San Diego for a hot little second. So, you know, I, I feel like, especially with the nomadic nature of the Raiders, that I can support any other the team I want to because they won't sit still. Uh, but Yeah, they'll move on you. Oh, quick. Quick. In a heartbeat. So, you know, it's all good. So, you know, Vegas, I, I, I'm going to be keeping an eye on them. I'm very, very excited about the future there. Um, and Lamar, um, you know, I, I know that, that there's been a lot of tension because of this contract situation. I will say this. In my personal opinion, I do not think they will allow Lamar to get to the end of the season and not have a new contract. This is his last year. I think that optics-wise, it looks really bad if you put a quarterback on a franchise tag, especially a guy mm-hmm. uh, who has an MVP under his belt. So I think that the social pressure um, for the Ravens to get this deal done um, will make it happen. I think that they've dragged their feet as long as they could. Lamar probably should have had a contract extension two years ago, um, but because of everything that we know with the whole um, agent aspect of it, they've hoped that Lamar is going to cave. I think at this point they understand that Lamar definitely wants to smoke and he's not going to do a damn thing that anybody else tells him to do if he doesn't want to do it. Um, so I do think that that contract is going to get done, and I do think it's going to be one of the richest contracts in NFL history. Um, so, you know, here's to hoping that he can stay healthy. He and Rashad Bateman seem to be um, starting to get a, a very nice little repertoire between the two and some great chemistry out there. Um, so if they can stay healthy along with J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards, um, you know, I, I think that the Ravens will be set up. Um, to have a very, very good year. They have a very favorable schedule. So it'll be – I think that it behooves everybody to get the contract done sooner rather than later because I think at that point the team can just kind of focus on the season. And I think that this contract talk is going to continue to be a distraction. And the NFL teams hate distractions during the season. And the longer you let it stay out there and the closer you get to the end of the season, Lamar Jackson will be able to come a true free agent without a contract at the end of the year. I just think that that's too – it's too risky, um, and I don't think Baltimore is going to stand for that. I think that everybody involved is going to push to get this thing done sooner rather than later, and I think it could actually happen before the start of the season, even though I know we're only a few weeks out. I, I, I just I do. I, I think that it's, gonna, it's time for it to get done, and I think it's going to get done sooner rather than later. Um, so, 
You know that, that if that's, you're Baltimore, you got to you got to be looking at the contracts other quarterbacks are getting and saying, "Man, they're getting more ridiculous by the week." <laughs> the longer now. you wait, the more you got to pay them. Yeah, I mean, you know, don't let don't let somebody roughly in his age range and experience range who doesn't have an MVP sign their extension because then, well, oh, Kyler Murray's getting forty six million. Kyler Murray's getting forty six yeah. million. You think you think that the Ravens can get away with paying Lamar Jackson less than Kyler Murray? No, no. That's what I'm saying, no. That's what I'm saying. So it's only going to get worse. <laughs> so, Might as well do it now. I'm telling, like, and that's that's where the pressure comes in. And I think that Lamar's played it perfectly because even if he didn't think about the fact of these um, contracts getting so crazy, now that Kyler Murray um, is making what he's making, um, I, I just feel like. You can't because, I mean, at the end of the day, if they wait until the end of the year, here's the worst-case scenario for the Ravens, is that you get to the end of the year and it's time for Justin Herbert to get his extension. Justin Herbert's going to probably get close to damn near $50 million just because. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, everybody loves the statuesque, you know, tall, virile, handsome quarterback. You know, everybody loves that guy. So, you know, with with the chin for days. It's okay to say white Rashad. <laughs> I wasn't going to say that. Just, you know, he's everybody's All-American. So we know Justin Herbert is going to break the bank. So if they wait until Justin Herbert gets his, especially considering uh, the fact I think that the Ravens are going to have a better year, if Herbert gets that money, then the Ravens, it's going to be even worse off for the Ravens. So the Ravens, it definitely behooves them to get it done as soon as possible. Um, so I will just say that. I know we only got about two, two and a half minutes left uh, before the end of the show, but I just want to say to the NBA, please, please figure out what you, are, you guys are going to do with Kyrie and KD and Russell Westbrook and Donovan Mitchell because NBA 2K is about to come out and nobody knows what any of the teams look like. Like everybody's way, I've never seen free agency get to this point uh, in the summer, and literally nobody has signed anywhere. Nobody has signed anywhere because everybody is waiting to see what these teams are going to do. These teams are dragging their feet. The Brooklyn Nets continue to act like they're going to trade KD, but they're not doing anything to actually get it done. We're seeing all these ridiculous deals the teams are throwing out, and the Brooklyn Nets have turned down. And, you know, the issue with that is that nothing is happening. And nobody, I mean, literally, training camps are going to be open before too long, and nobody knows where they're going to be. It's driving me crazy, fellas. Like, it's driving me insane. Like, I just saw a deal that looks like it makes sense. Uh, They're talking about a three-team deal between the Jazz, the uh, Lakers, and the Pacers to where um, Miles Turner and and a couple of other guys, I think Buddy Hield and maybe Bogdan Bogdanovich, ends up in L.A. with Russell Westbrook and some picks going to the Jazz, uh, and somehow Donovan Mitchell ended up with the Knicks. Like, that would make sense. Because at that point, you know, Russell Westbrook's never going to help a team anyway. And since we see that the Jazz are pretty much just trying to tank (laughs) so they can try to go get uh, Victor Wembanyama from the draft, um, Russell Westbrook will definitely help you lose games. So, you know, if if you're really not interested in winning, just please get something done. Fellas, you got anything before we get out of here? Got about about 30, 40 seconds left. Go Cards.
Show cards. <laughs> well, I appreciate you fellas for checking in with us this morning. I appreciate everybody tuning in. Uh, thank you for the calls. Jay has, Wayne. Um, just uh, so glad to be back this week after the week off last week. Um, but, you know, it's definitely time for football. We're going to definitely get a lot of news over the next week or so. So, you know what? Until next week, this is Wake Up 502, Rashawn Myers, 96.1 FM, Big X Sports Radio. Make sure you tune in. Mike Rutherford show as well. My boy is holding it down Monday through Friday, uh, 3 to 6 p.m. as well. Uh, for uh, Haven Harrington, Joe Kelly, this is Rashawn Myers, and we out.